0: So if you don't mind with me, um, I want you to grab your Bibles and make your way over to uh, the Gospel of Luke. And this morning, on behalf of my family, my wife Natalia, my two kids, Micah and Charlotte, I just want to wish every person here a very Merry Christmas. May God bless you. It's an absolute joy to celebrate this time of year. I love this time of year because we have this incredible miracle called Jesus Christ that stepped into our neighborhood. God decided to dwell among us, and he moved in next door. Amen? And that is the joy of the season and all of its implications. So we celebrate the goodness of Jesus, the goodness of the Father, the goodness of the Holy Spirit that empowered all of it. Uh, And so we're just excited for this time. And during this time of year, we've been talking these last couple of weeks that it's a time and a season where we tend to pick up a lot of things. We pick up a lot of appointments and parties, and we pick up, you know, some extra weight. We pick up some gifts that we don't need. We pick up some debt into those credit cards because we want to give all these gifts away. We pick up a lot of things, some of it emotional, relational. We pick up some things that just end up holding us back. And so we've been talking through a series called Giving Up on Christmas, And we've been talking about letting go of some things that hold us back spiritually. And today, this morning, I want to draw from the Christmas story, and I want to talk to you about giving up control. Say amen. Now, out of curiosity, how many of you can honestly say that there is at least one area of your life that you love to control? Lift up your hands. And for those of you who are resisting the urge, I see it, of lifting up the hands of somebody else, just put up your hand too. You might as well. We just love to control, don't we? God is going to speak to us out of the Christmas story today, all right? So open up your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 1, and I want you to take a look starting in verse 26. Let's review Luke's account of Jesus' birth, his arrival, that first Christmas. Let's draw some things out of this. Father, I just pray that before we read, that your presence is in this place and that you are near and dear to us. I pray, Lord, that your power, which surpasses all of our understanding, I pray that you would move upon hearts today. That, Lord, today there are people here that need an encounter with you to start a relationship or restart a relationship. Father, I pray that today nothing impedes them from doing so. Father, that there is men and women here looking for a place to call their church home, their faith family. I pray, Lord, that nothing will stop them from saying, today Celebration International Church became that place for me. Father, I know that there's people in here that are victorious. And although the enemy wants to lie to them, Father, I know that you're bringing them to victory in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people say, amen. 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 All right. <clears throat> if you're in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, say amen. 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 In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent Another translation of the Bible puts it, maybe this is what you've read in your pages, that she was confused and disturbed. Does anybody here use any of those words to describe your circumstance? You're wondering, why this? Why that? How how did I get into this position? You're considering, how am I going to get out of this circumstance? And what am I going to do? Who am I going to turn to? What am I going to you know, think and now face because of this? How can I manage? And you are living in the midst of a troubled heart. Anybody? The angel spoke, and she was greatly troubled trying to discern what kind of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Most High, the Holy Spirit, will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be called Holy, the Son of God. Verse 38, jump down. And Mary said, Hold the phone. Hold your horses, angels. Hold up. This just will not work for me, Michelle. Just wait one second, Sharon. This is not going to work for me. At the very least, if this goes down the way you're saying, then that means by the time the wedding day comes around, I will be ready to pop. That just won't work. It won't work. See, I've I've waited too long for this day. Victoria, I have, you know, I have spent too much money, Clara. I have eaten too much rabbit food. I mean, salads in order for me to fit into that dress. This is not going to work for me. Verse 38, that's what your Bible says, right? She says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Turn to your neighbor and say, let it be. For those of you sitting next to your spouse, you're welcome. You've been waiting to say that for a while. Let it be. Now, for those of you who don't have a spouse next to you, and for those of you who do, I want you to stop for a second And I want you to say it to yourself, let it be. Let that sink in. Say it it one more time. How does that sound? Say it one more time, let it be. You might be thinking, pastor, why are you repeating this to me today on Christmas Eve? Are you implying, pastor, that I'm controlling Pastor I'm not controlling I'm just a very helpful person I just help everybody all the time everywhere I go I'm helpful how do you confuse that with controlling but I'm helpful friends let's just face it some of us are very controlling aren't we I'm lifting up my hand my wife will testify The staff will say sometimes, yes, pastor, you are controlling. Let it be. See, some of us are so controlling, we want to control everything that people thinks about us, don't we? All right, you're in church today. Tell the truth and shame the devil. How many times did it take you snapping that Christmas picture? 23 times? So that you could get it just right? It took you more than one try, didn't it? Because the lighting had to be right. And the hair had to be just right. And, like, you know, the wind couldn't be messing everything up. And your perfume needed to be just perfect. (laughs) Meanwhile, behind the scenes, you yelled, you complained, you threatened, you actually mentioned the word divorce just in case. If you don't get this right, I'm going to. And then you go ahead and you publish the picture on Instagram and Facebook and all sorts of places, and you put the hashtag bless. You didn't look blessed while trying to control all that. Some of us, no, Pastor, I'm just helpful. Really now, we want to control our spouses, don't we? Spouses, zip your lip right now. Do not throw your spouse under the, under the bus. But some of us, we want to control what they wear, when they say what they say, how they squeeze the toothpaste and put in the toilet paper. We want to control, you know, exactly how much they snore. None. What they want, where they go, when they go, how much they spend. Somebody say amen. You want to control. For some of us, it's our kids, is it not? We also want to control what they wear, where they go, who they hang with. You know, what college they're going to go to, how much money they're going to make, when they're going to find their spouse, when they're going to actually marry their spouse, how many grandkids they're going to give you, and exactly how they're going to take care of you in old age, no? Kids, zip it. You still got Christmas tomorrow, you know what I'm saying? So you don't want to mess it up. We want to control, we like to control. But it's interesting, I I found this in my life as well that, you know, the more we want to reach for control, the more we fear losing it. And the more we fear losing control, the more we want to control because we want to avoid the fear and the loss. And so here's my key thought for you this morning it's very simple, but it's going to take a lot of intentionality for us to actually you know, incorporate it into our lives. And it's a very simple thing. If you're going to take notes, write this thing down. It's called, Control will evade you at times, but surrender is always within reach. Let me, let me say it again. Control will evade you at times, Andre. But surrender is always within your grasp. Control will evade you. It will escape you at times you can't guarantee that your boss is going to go with your plan you can't guarantee that your spouse will behave the way you want at the dinner party you cannot control and and hold on to what your kids are going to do they're going to live out every one of your single dreams that you ever had for them they're going to live it out perfectly We can't control the fact that, you know what, we might not get our finances exactly perfect or demand and command our health to be exactly where we want it to be. Control will evade us at times, but surrender is always within reach. Mary said, Let it be. Mary said, I surrender. Wow. I surrendered. Let's say it one more time for good measure. Let it be. But pastor, I know we're looking at the Christmas story, and it's beautiful and all that wonderful stuff, but you know what? It was easy for Mary to surrender. After all, she is the virgin Mary. She's Mary. She is the woman who's supposed to be the mother of Jesus. She, of course, The angel came to her. She is phenomenal. There is no other woman like her in all the earth. Trust me, I've been looking. Guys, zip it. It's Mary. It's easy for her. There's no doubt about it. But friends, I want to remind you of something. That when Mary encountered this angel, I want you to consider this and fix this in your heart. Let it burn into your hearts. That this lady, this woman was about 13, 14, or 15 years old. Why? Because betrothals happened right after puberty began. So, so this, this girl is going into her teenage years. And she is being betrothed to somebody. She's going to get married in a little while. This is a teenage girl. And I want you to understand this. Oh, it's so easy for her, Pastor. But listen, this is a 13, 14, 15-year-old girl who is hearing this news. Now, can you, you know, some of us will take us a little bit longer. My son was asking me, hey, Daddy, you know, what were things like when you were a kid? He was asking me that this morning. He's like, when were you a kid, Daddy? I'm like, about three decades ago. You know, I'm 38 years old. For some of you, it's, you know, I'm still a kid. I understand that. You know, I could be your son. I get it. Thank you. I appreciate it. God bless you. So it might take a lot of you longer to think back. But, but she was 15, 14, 13, somewhere in that vicinity. What do kids at this age think about face, what's their worldview? this is a girl that would have had dreams and aspirations just like any other teenage girl and I can imagine her when she's hearing this angel speak, this is a girl who had dreams of marrying that great guy one day I'm going to get married to a great guy who's going to be strong and handsome and charming and oh boy he drives a nice donkey I'm going to marry this guy who's got a great job, and he's got a bright future. I'm going to marry this guy who's so good. He is such a nice, gentle person to me, but he is rugged at the same time and can protect me when necessary. I'm going to marry this great guy who is so humble but yet assertive. I'm going to meet this great guy one day, and he is going to be godly. Oh, I'm going to meet this guy because I got dreams of a great one. I can imagine this girl being a girl who had dreams of a perfect love story. When I meet this guy, he's going to ask me out in the midst of my friends in front of everybody in such a romantic way. Everybody's going to be saying, "Ooh, he's so dreamy. This guy is going to be, you know, so amazing and phenomenal because he's going to leave me little texts. I mean, notes. There's no texts. He's going to leave me little notes at my door and at my place of employment. And he is going to be so good. If we ever get into a fight, he's going to be the type of guy that's going to stand out in the rain to apologize to me and profess his devotion once again. Yeah, notebook, just like the notebook. He's going to be that type of guy because it's going to be a perfect love. He's going to be the guy who's going to propose at just the right time when my hair, my makeup, and my nails are just on point, ladies. And the photographer, by the way, is just right there. My family's around. This guy has got it all perfectly planned because we have a perfect love story. I can imagine this girl dreaming of all these things. She's dreaming of her future. I'm going to go through my life, and I'm only a teenager, but I got dreams and aspirations. I'm going to, you know, uh, uh, get connected and have favor in my community, and I'm going to apply for my job. I've been working on my resume, and I'm going to climb the corporate ladder, and I'm going to get to my dreams, and I'm going to be a boss lady, and I'm going to overcome so many things, and I'm going to advance. And when the time is right, I'm going to marry that beautiful, handsome, amazing man who is an incredible love story. We're going to have two kids. We're going to have a boy and a girl, so we got one of each, and we're good. And then... We're gonna go buy a nice house in the suburbs of Bethlehem. And I'm gonna have, you know, my nice little house with the white picket fence and the stable for my donkey and my own fig tree, and it's gonna be beautiful. This girl had dreams. Pastor, it's easy for her to say, let it be. But friends, let me just tell you, she was a girl just like you. She was a person just like you. She had dreams and aspirations. Just like you. Yet the Lord sends an angel and he says, Hey, Mary, God has other plans for you. How many of us have dreams and aspirations? How many of you had dreams and aspirations? Sometimes we have to speak in the past tense because for some whatever reason, life gets in the way and things happen and then some people forget that they had dreams and aspirations. Some of you, you thought that that job was going to be the perfect job when you took it. You never considered that an acquisition was coming and now you don't even know. Are you going to be one of the people on the chopping block and your bills need to get paid? For some of us, you know, you had dreams and aspirations and you've planned to have a handful of kids. Maybe you wanted to populate a soccer team, I don't know, but you've been having a hard time conceiving child number one. Maybe some folks here, you, you thought, hey man, I'm having two kids and that's it. And now all of a sudden, child number three is on the way, and you're like, Yeah, I did not plan for this. How many of us had dreams? Maybe. Right now, at your house, underneath your Christmas tree, are presents that will remain unopened because there's one less person in your life this year. just happened. You were planning for it, but for whatever reason, death, separation, divorce, you know, whatever, there are things that happen outside of our control, and now the plans that you had are not so there. It was so easy, Pastor, for Mary. No. She was just a normal person, just like you and me, with dreams and aspirations. But secondly, she was a girl who had visibility into the future, just like you and I. Well, we read her story, we have the scriptures, so I'd argue we probably have a little bit more visibility than she does when she's encountering all of this. Don't lose sight of the fact that she... Did not know the end of her story. We come to the Christmas story every year and we we celebrate the joy of Christmas. But let me just remind you that Mary did not know the end of the story. She couldn't see that three decades later that her son Jesus would be nailed to a cross. That he would die on that cross and be buried in a borrowed tomb. She could not see that God would raise him from the dead on the third day. She could not see the ascension into heaven, the veil being torn, the chorus of angels. She could not see all of these things. She couldn't see him taking his rightful place at the right hand of the Father. She couldn't see any of it. She couldn't know any of it. And so we read her story and we say, easy for Mary. But her story, although written by God, it was not yet revealed to her. She had a word from the angel. Oh, blessed and highly favored one, this is going to happen to you. Friends, likewise, I want you to understand that me and you, we don't have the end from the beginning. We haven't seen yet what's going to happen in our story. We might know glips and snippets and promises and generalities, but here is the deal. No matter whether we can see into the future crystal clearly or not, what we do have and what Mary had is we all have a choice. Say choice. We've got a choice. Control will evade us at times, but surrender is always within reach. We've got a choice. Mary chose to surrender to God's destiny versus controlling her own dreams. Mary chose to settle on God's purposes rather than her own plans. Mary was a woman who chose, even though she did not understand it all, she picked calling over control. Friend, I call that trust. Mary chose to trust. Because although control will evade us at times, surrender is always within our grasp. This is a woman who said to that angel, let it be. And so I'm, I'm going to speak to myself today. I don't have groundbreaking, revolutionary you know, message for you this morning. But what I do want to encourage you in is that God is inviting you into something. So let me speak for myself because this has just weighed on me this week that maybe you might relate with me. Maybe you won't. But the more I find myself trying to control, the more I overestimate my ability to do so. And the more I overestimate my ability to do so, the more I underestimate God's power. This is me. It might not be you. So with that, I say pray for me. Pray for your pastor. The more I overestimate my ability to control, the more I underestimate God's power and his ability to lead. Exposing to me that my desire to control is rooted in the lack of faith. It's a trust issue when you get to the bottom of it. That's what it was for Mary. A trust issue to which she said, I will choose to trust. Period. More than ever before, our culture is so speaking a narrative to us and it's saying look you've got to make things happen you got to go out there and pursue and accomplish and overcome you need to do this this that and you got to make it happen i don't care don't give me excuses just give me results go make it happen go control everything go command everything go manifest whatever you need to manifest and you make it happen that's what the world is speaking to us all the time all of it always in your hands period control. But look what Mary says in the midst of that angel. Let it be according to your word. I'm reminded of what Jesus goes on to say in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. If you would come after me, if anybody would come after me, let him deny himself. Pick up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever chooses to, tries to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it. it. I'm reminded of what Jesus says. In other words, he's saying, hey, if you want to cling to being in control, you're going to lose your life. If you want to hold on and grasp and ascertain and secure and lock down this thing called control, get ready to lose. But if you're willing to surrender, you will find your life. And I've thought about this because, you know, God's just been dealing with me on a couple of things. And, you know, I'm journeying with some pastors when it comes to this matter of discipleship. And I've been coming back to the scripture again and again. Deny yourself. What does that mean? Jesus says you need to deny yourself. Denying yourself is way more than just denying yourself things. It's more than just denying yourself feelings, denying that you have feelings, have emotions, denying that you have self-worth and value. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not saying, Clara, I want you to think less of yourself like you mean nothing. No, he's not saying, Andre, get rid of all these things in your life. He's going beyond that. To deny means I do not know the person. I do not. This is what Peter, what, what Peter was doing the night Jesus was crucified. I do not know him. He was denying the person of Jesus. When Jesus says, I want you to deny yourself, what he is saying is simply this. I want you to deny yourself lordship. Well, what's that, pastor? I want you to say no to the lowercase. Okay, let's make sure we all understand this and you don't take me out of context online later. I want you to deny the lowercase g, God, that is you. I want you to no longer bow down to the God of self. That's what he's saying. I want you to say, I do not know God, Brian. I do not know this person that wants to control and be the God and the end-all be-all for everything and all things, who dictates every decision and makes every choice and, 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 and satisfy every urges and all that. I want you to no longer bow down to that Lord within yourself. Are you tracking with me? I want you to pick up your cross daily, by the way. What is he talking about? Now, we, we read that at times, and we speak about that at times, and we say, you know what? That's about enduring hard things. Oh, this is my cross. I got to go on a, on, a, on a work trip to Hawaii. I got to pick up my cross for Jesus. You know, I got to, you know, my car broke down, and, and now, you know what? I have to pick up my cross, Pastor, and I have to take a ride from somebody else. We, we, we. You know, stream it down to enduring hardship. But I want you to put this into the context of Jesus' day. Pick up your cross. The Romans would crucify people as a method of execution. It was their way of putting criminals to death and to make sure that nobody else wanted to do the same crime. It was a deterrent from people rising up and rebelling against Rome. And so the only people that picked up crosses were criminals consigned to death. Men and women who had been publicly slated, scheduled for death. And so the logical thing is, if you're picking up a cross, Sharon, it means that for all intents and purposes, you are a woman that has already been dead to aspirations and dreams and plans in this world because your life is about to come to an end. So when he says, I want you to pick up your cross daily, he's not just saying, Kenan, I want you to pick up your cross and endure the hardship that you're working 80 hours plus a week this this time and season of your life. And you're living on a suitcase in a hotel from hotel. No, no, no. He's trying to say, look, you are already scheduled to die. I want you to live as if you are dead. I want you to live dead of the aspirations and dreams and ambitions of this world. I want you to die to yourself and say, I surrender. And then he says, lose your life so that you may gain it. Come follow me. Don't try to control, but be willing to lose it for my sake. What is he saying? That if we are to surrender, to lose our lives, it means that we invest all that we are and all that we have for the sake of Jesus and his gospel. That means our talents. That means our home. That means our wallet. That means our time. That means our devotion, our body, everything that we have. We use it for him and by him and through him and to him, and we bring him glory. Let it be, Lord. A girl who had dreams, who wanted a nice guy, who wanted a perfect love story, who wanted a future and planned it all out. This girl says, let it be. Why? Because she has denied the Lord within herself. She has denied to the point where she picked up her cross. And she had says, I will give my life for your sake to bring you glory. Let it be according to your word. And here's the beautiful, beautiful things when, in this whole thing. It's, it's, it's a hard thing at times to realize that surrender, denying, picking up your cross, losing your life, this thing is a daily requirement. Guys, you can't just say to your wife, I love you, honey, when you're standing in front of her in the aisle and never say it again. Well, if, 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 if anything changed, I would have told her, right? No, it doesn't work like that. you got to say it every day, all the time. you got to remind her again and again. This is a daily thing that Jesus is calling us to. Trusting God is a day-to-day requirement. It happens again and again. It's not just a one-time deal. We've done it once. We're all set. But the beautiful thing is that when we meet that requirement, that God always meets us with his faithfulness. When we meet God's requirement for daily surrender, God meets us with the provision of his grateful and daily sustenance. I love it. I love it in Mary's story. Just just think about this. Think about this in the story of Christmas. Here is this girl who is a teenager, is told by an angel, you will conceive a child. And you are pledged to be married. You are engaged to a man named Joseph. And you are supernaturally conceiving a child. Right. Look, honey, I love you. But if you showed up and said, hey, the Holy Spirit put a baby in me and we weren't married yet. I'd be like, yeah, there's a problem here. I'm being honest because I'm a sinner saved by God's grace. Some of y'all might be more holy than me and say, I believe you, hook, lion, and sinker. No problem. Let's go. Think about her situation. She is a virgin. I don't even know what it looks like to be naked in front of a guy, but yet somehow I am pregnant. And what does God do? She says, Lord, let it be. And God shows up. And what does he do? He goes and he visits Joseph, and he gives him a dream. Hey, Joseph, what she is saying is true. I sign off on this message, and I approve it because it is the gospel truth. What is that if not God's faithfulness? The whole town is gossiping about her, Andrew. The whole town is talking. Did you hear about Mary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She says she she doesn't know Joseph in that way. But I saw her, you know. I saw them going out after they went out for lunch that day on that date. I saw them. They go into a back corner somewhere in an alley. I don't know where they went. But I saw them together when nobody else was around. And everybody's talking about Mary. Everybody is speaking ill about her character her morals, her virtues. Everyone is bringing shame upon her family, and it's being spoken about in the community. And what does God do in his faithfulness when she says, let it be according to your word? The Holy Spirit comes and gives a message to Elizabeth, her cousin, and he confirms to Elizabeth. When Elizabeth comes before Mary, The baby within Elizabeth jumps and the Holy Spirit kicks up that child and and she feels a supernatural, you know, revelation from God. This is the son of God within you. So even though the people around her are gossiping, God in his faithfulness starts bringing into that community revelation. Think about the story of Mary. Her water breaks. It's time to deliver that baby. And there is no room at Motel 6. There is no rooms, no vacancies available. So what does God do when this woman says, let it be according to your word? She trusts God and God provides a place. That's his faithfulness. Think about it. The child is born and magi come from far away to come pray, respect and worship the new king Of the Jews. They show up to Herod, the king of the region, and he says, I've come to worship this king that has been born to us. And Herod says, What? What What, king? "Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Tell me where he's at so I can go worship him too. All the while, Herod creates an executive order that puts every male born child under two years old to death. He enacts a genocide on newborn baby boys because he does not want to be threatened by this newfound king. Mary says, Lord, let it be according to your word. Can you imagine giving birth and somebody, the president, the the king wants to kill your child? So God directs wise men to come to Mary and Joseph and bring gifts and resources. How are they going to pay their bills? How are they going to survive? If they have to live on the run, they don't have the ability to go about their regular jobs, to go about their regular homes, and, and to be in the community where they are supported and cared for. God guides wise men to bring them gifts. In his faithfulness, God guides the wise men to not go back to Herod and disclose Mary's location. If that's not God's faithfulness, I don't know what is, church. God guides Joseph and Mary to leave Israel and go to Egypt where they're going to be safe. God keeps them there until Herod dies, and then he brings them back into their homeland. See, if that is not God's faithfulness, I don't know what is. But it's the result of her saying, Father, your will be done and not mine. And so, speaking of that, fast forward to Jesus' time. Fast forward to decades later when Jesus is ready to fulfill his assignment and he is in the Passion Week, getting ready to go to the cross. He goes to a garden called Gethsemane and he is praying all night long. He's asking God for mercy. He's saying, Lord, Please, if there's any other way, let it pass from me. Give me the other way so that I don't have to endure the pain, the sorrow, the separation, the struggle I'm about to go through. And yet at the end of that prayer, he says, let it be. The same words that Mary used are the words that Jesus used in that garden and all the way through the cross he is reiterating it again and again father into your hands i commit my spirit and he surrendered and if that was not met with the ultimate example of god's faithfulness then we have not read the same bible for if you read philippians chapter 2 It tells us that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be controlled. I'm going to control how this is going to happen, God. You want men and women reconciled to you because of sin? I'm going to control it and declare that it's going to happen in this way, that way, and that way. And by the way, I will not go to the cross for this. It will happen in a different way. No, no, no. He emptied himself. Surrender. Surrender took on the form of a man, became a humble servant to the point of death and death on the cross. And then it says, and for this reason, God has given him the name above every name, the name by which every man will confess and every knee will bow that Christ is Lord. When we surrender, God meets us with faithfulness. He did it for Mary. He did it for Jesus. He's done it for us. So this morning, I don't know, church, what you're going through. I don't know what it is that you're trying to control. I don't know what it is that you're trying to manipulate and work out and and have work in a positive way the way you intended and dreamed. I don't know what it is that God is inviting you to surrender today. The team can come on back. But I'm inviting you for one thing this morning. I invite you to consider surrender. I invite you to turn it over to Jesus. I invite you to give God a chance to show off his faithfulness. Pastor, God never shows up in my circumstance. He's never done anything for me and my family. Have you given him a chance? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've given him a chance. I, I've, I've done all this. You know what? Okay, so tell me about this area. Of, oh, no, God I can't touch that. He can touch everything else, but not this. I invite you, give God a chance to show off his faithfulness. What's your burden this morning? What is it? Come on, team, let's go. Uh, what is your burden this morning? What is it that you're working on that you're trying to resolve and trying to control? Is it a a money problem? Is it a relational problem? Is it a financial issue? Is it a health concern? Is it a doctor's note? Is it that child that is going in his own way and doesn't want anything to do with you? What is it that you're trying to control? Is it that anxiety, that fear, that worry, that burden? Is it some addiction that you just have not been able to shake? What is it that you are trying to control this morning? Is it shame? Is it guilt? Whatever it is, I invite you to give it to God. Give him whatever it is that you're trying to control. For the scriptures tells us, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast your cares and all your worries and your anxieties on him, your father, because he cares for you. I invite you to stand with me. As you consider this invitation this morning on this Christmas Eve, I want to turn back to Mary. Luke chapter one. When the angel appeared to her, look at what else it says. He's speaking an incredible revelation to this young girl in the midst of her life. And he says this, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. He is with you. Emmanuel, God with us. God who came to dwell among us. See, every other religion has man working to one day get up to God. But ours says this, that God goes beyond religion. He came down to abide with his people. He came down to make a way where there was no way. So this morning, I invite you to say yes to him and feel his presence. Say yes to God and allow his presence to minister to you right now because God is with you. He's with you, Kenan. He's with you, Isaac. He's with you, Job. He's with you, Nelia. Stephanie, he's with you. God is with you. And if God is with you, he can do way more with your surrender than you could ever do with your control. That which is within your hearts is always better within God's hands Two little fish, five little loaves, so much better in God's hands. A Peter who thought he was the best fisherman over, so much better in the Lord's hands, became the rock that established the church. Your surrender is better in his hands. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're holding on to. But I promise you that if you let it go to him, he'll show you his faithfulness. Let's pray together. I want you to bow your your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Father, I ask you to work in hearts this morning, that you would work in the hearts of your people here that you love so dearly. Show them, God, that you are with them and that you are good, that you are for them. God, I know that you're in this place and that you are stirring in people's hearts. God, I ask you that on the other side of their faith and trust, that, Father, they will see your faithfulness. As we're praying, I don't want anybody looking around. As we pray, Father, I pray. If there's anybody that has something to surrender today, God, I help, I ask you, help them do so right now. Maybe you need to surrender this situation, this burden, this person, whatever it is. Lord, I pray that they will pray this right now. Lord, help me surrender. If you're feeling something stir in your heart and you need to surrender something, just lift up a hand with eyes closed, This is a private moment. Just lift up your hand and keep them up high. Say, Lord, I surrender. Help me surrender. Help me see your faithfulness. God, I thank you. I thank you that you're touching hearts right now. I see these hands all over this place, Lord. I know you're touching hearts in a way that my words will fail, but you can go back deep into every soul father i thank you that you're moving and in the same way that mary said it but then she lived it father i pray that you would help everyone that's lifted up a hand that you would help them live it every day of their lives that they won't give it to you today and take it back tomorrow but father i pray that it would be let it be not our wills but yours lord jesus Lord, I pray that even though they might not understand what's happening, they not might be able to see what's coming down the road, but Father, I pray that they will be able to see the choice within their hands always, that they can surrender to you. Father, I pray help us. As we keep praying, again, eyes closed, heads bowed. On a day like today, I know that there's people who are realizing that we've tried to live a partially surrendered life, And the reality is there is no such thing. You can't put 99 cents in the Coke machine and want a Coke. You got to put the full dollar in. You got to pay the full price. In the same way, there's people here, you've realized either you live partially surrendered or you, there is no ounce of surrender in your life. And today you're sensing God say, let's change this. There's something happening in you right now. You're sensing God's love. You're sensing his presence. You're realizing what God did at Christmas when he came into this world. You're sensing that God has come here. He was born of a virgin. He lived on this earth a sinless life. He did all of this stuff. He was not born of man, but he was born of the spirit so that he would not inherit the sinful nature of man, but he would carry the full essence of deity. And when he went on that cross, he was the only one fit to do so because he was blameless and he laid his life down for you. You're sensing this. And you need to say, Lord, if you surrender that much, I need to surrender to you. If that's you today, I just want you to lift up your hand because God's promised you faithfulness that when you call on his name, you shall be saved. That's the greatest faithfulness of all. That when you call upon his name and have faith in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he makes you brand new as he forgives you of your sins. So if that's you this day, I want you to just lift up a hand. Our team's gonna put something in your hand. If you're saying, Jesus, I surrender to you my life. I need you to come into my life I need to restart a relationship with you or begin one for the first time if that's you lift up your hand today our team wants to put something in it God bless you over here Jesus God bless you come on church let's give it up for Jesus as we're praying with our eyes closed The Bible tells us that there is a celebration in heaven. Father, I thank you. Let's do this in good measure. Let's all repeat this prayer as we're just contemplating God's faithfulness to us today. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive all my sins. Make me new. I surrender to you. Jesus, be first in my life. My Lord, my Savior, my friend. Fill me with your spirit so that I am yours, that I may follow you, live for you, show your love. My life is not my own, but I am yours. I give you all And Thank you in Jesus name Amen Can we give Jesus a mighty praise? as the team sings and worships I Want you to just rest in that reality if you want prayer for anything We want to open up these altars and pray with you and believe but God is faithful if you surrender Lift up your hands Lord May the love that you have so showed us and the grace that your son exemplified and the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead and abides with us to this day be with each and every one of us as we glorify you this Christmas Eve. In Jesus' name, amen. May God bless you. Merry Christmas.